Welcome to the Offshore Club's fun-filled, fact-filled, fast-paced blockbuster podcast, Coffee with Karim Carter, coming to you exclusively from where the sun never sets on the good life at a great price. And now, fill up your favorite coffee mug and join your expert and your guide, Karim Carter Clues. Hello and welcome to Coffee with Karim Carter, episode seven, seven. And once again, we're going to do this thing, right? Let's do this thing. That's our motto. And that's what this is all about. This whole program is about you and I getting together saying, let's do this thing with the move offshore. That's my only concern. I want to I want to make it clear up front here because, you know, I was watching Gary Vee. I'm going to talk more about him later. And he was saying to people, I have one concern. It's not making money. I can make money other ways. And I feel the same way. It's my concern is helping you make the decision that I know is going to change your life. And that's what Coffee with Care Carter is all about. So once again, let's get started. Thank you. I'm thrilled you're here. Thank you that you're here. Thank you for the emails. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for the actions you're taking. And, and thank you for more and more of you following me on Coffee with Care Carter. Folks, I post there every day. Every day. As a matter of fact, I try to do five posts a day there, updating you on offshore opportunities. Um, some, frankly, positive thinking opportunities, because the more positive we think, the more there is a chance. That, the, 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 not a chance. Definitely, the more you're going to do this thing. Okay? So, uh, follow follow Carib Court if you can. Some good videos uh, that I put up there. I, I post up uh, land opportunities. You know, the $1,000 Realtor Caribbean. Uh, I'm always looking for those and posting up. Remember, I do not get paid for those. They are simply my way of saying, folks, take a look at this, see what you think. Take a look at this, see what you think. They are, all of them, I'm going to say flat out, are about a tenth of what you would pay if you bought a comparable property in the U.S., okay? In a much better condition, which I get to in Mad Max, uh, the Mad Max report in a few minutes. I always like to start out with a little story for you. And today, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read you. Some of you got this letter, um, and I hope you followed up on it. But because it's what it says is very, very important, and I don't want to miss out on anything. So I'm going to let, let me do let me do this. Let me read you what I wrote to a lot of you, and and some of you didn't get it. So this will be the first time you're hearing it, because and then I'm going to relate it all back later in the program. Okay, it's all going to come together later in the program, but. But it's a story that I think is well worth your hearing because it will inspire you and it will help you to make your move. Okay. The, the letter was to the Offshore Club uh, uh, friends, of whom many, many of you are part of that, offshore.club. Um, in the late fall of 1955, this is the story. True story. A struggling young minister was offered an opportunity to invest $1,000 to buy 100 acres of beachfront property in an obscure, undeveloped, underdeveloped community known as Solomon's Island, Maryland. Some of you might, might know that one. That's right, just $10 an acre, $10 an acre, beachfront property in Solomon's Island, Maryland, mere pittance. This is pretty much what Solomon's Island looked like back then. Here we go. See here? Let me hold it up for you. In fact, as I say, that could be him uh, trekking down that, that, that sand sod, sodden street there. 1955. Not much to see, was there? And not much to do. An isolated outpost in a black and white world. But since that cash-strapped minister was trying to raise a family of five on a preacher's pauper wages... He didn't have ten dollars to spare, let alone a thousand dollars. So unfortunately, he had to pass up on his Solomon's Island opportunity in order to put food on the table on his family's table. I say unfortunately because this is what Solomon's Island looks like today. Okay? Let me get it right here. This is what it looks like today. Whew. Big difference, huh? And and you ready for this? The property now sells for $315,000 an acre. 
which means had that struggling young minister been able to buy that 100 acres at $10 per, it could now be worth somewhere in the neighborhood of $31,500,000. How do I know all this? How do I know all this for a fact? Because that struggling young minister was my dad. Okay? He was my dad. In a few minutes, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story and why it is so vitally important to you today. Okay? We're going to get into it. All right? And I think I think you're going to like this because of what it means for you. All right? So keep that in mind. The struggling young minister who, for a lack of $10 an acre, lost out on 30, north of $30 million. Good man. Wonderful man. Yeah, just priorities, and he couldn't do it back then. I don't want that to happen to you, but we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. First, let's talk about one of the reasons. Um, one of the reasons that, that I think you might, one of the many reasons I think you might want to take advantage of your Solomon's Island opportunity when it comes uh, in the freak every week in the frequently asked question. Okay, every week I get one. I pick out of the questions I get which one is most frequently asked, or sometimes most forcefully asked. And this week, the question I get a lot, a lot, whether it's when personally talking to people or in emails, uh, is Carter. When you when you lived in Honduras, and as most of you know, I'm back in the U.S. now. While my wife, Honduran wife, gets her citizenship, then we're moving probably to Nicaragua, but back down to Central America. But the frequently asked question I get is, when you move there, because remember back then I was alone. I wasn't married to uh, Angelita then. I didn't even know her when I first moved there. I was alone. Okay, when I tell you alone, I I sold everything I had, bought a home in Honduras, Galpino, kind of the outback, and I left. Okay, and people say when you did that, when you got there, what'd you do for friends? Because none of us wants to be alone. None of us wants to be, you know, the, the, the out there looking all around and thinking, Jesus, really one lonely life for me, because you will be. And I know this and I know this and I appreciate it. When you make your move, a lot of you will be leaving behind friends and family. OK, so what happens when you make that move? Well, let me tell you, let me tell you an answer to the frequently asked question. What about friends when you make a big move like that? Here's what happened with me. I moved to a little, little town, as I've told you, of El Pino. Probably 500 people, okay? Half an hour from Lesave, which has about 100,000. And I'm going to tell you where I got my, where, what I did for friends, okay? I had several neighbors who were Canadian, okay? Wonderful people. George was just salt to the earth and still is. We're still very close friends. I can't wait to see him again. Uh, but, but what I did was I realized... I want to make friends with the people who live here, the locals, okay? I want to see what their life is like and how I can share in that life because it was unique and it was different. And let me just be honest with you. A lot of times I'd walk down the street, kicking the, the, the stones in front of me and think, you know, this is like America in the 1950s or something good and decent and simple about this lifestyle. So I wanted to get to know the people. I go up to the little tienda, the little shop, and talk with Glendy, the little girl worked behind the counter, sweet as she could be, right? And somehow we'd figure out that I wanted crackers. And finally, I learned to say, go, yeah, this, okay. And uh, and that was, and, and a Coke. Coke is Coke. All right, you don't have to worry about that. Um, and, but the other thing I did revolved around this right here. Some of you know what that is. Some of you may know very well that is. Now, that happens to be my seven year. Six year, six. So good I am at Roman, num Roman numerals, right? Six year AA uh, uh, um, button, okay? Um, I've got about 20 or so now. But I would go to get to know the people because I want to be part of the community. I, and I think you're going to want to be part of it too. These are good people to know. I go to the AA meetings two, three times a week. And I'd sit there and remember, I didn't speak Spanish. You know how bad my Spanish is now when I try and tell you some word in Spanish. Back then, I didn't speak any, hardly any Spanish at all. But I go to the AE meetings because the spirit was the same. 
And though I couldn't understand the words they were saying, I knew what they were saying, okay? Because it's always the same story. I realized my life had become out of control and I got into AA and it changed my life. And with me at the time, I'm not even making an AA message or unless you are an alcoholic, then yes, I am. You need to get the AA. But, but the point I'm making is I got to know those people. One was a carpenter. One, his wife w was a bread maker. Um, one was a furniture maker. And I got to know them. And we, we found a way to talk and to communicate. And not only I get, got to know them, I got to love them, okay? And they did become my friends, my very close friends. A lot of them were very, very poor, barely getting by, but good, decent people. And so I'm encouraging you to, to do that. And the answer to the friends, what do you do for friends? You make friends with them, okay? Some of you are going to move into places like the gorgeous Mike Cobb's gorgeous Grand Pacifica or Grand Bayman in Belize. Uh, um, and, and then most of your friends are going to be North Americans. And, and, but you're still going to want to get out of the community. And some of you are going to do like I did, though, and buy a place like a lot of them I've recommended to you. That most of them wish I found on Vivion, V-I-V-I-U-N dot com. Okay? I'm going to tell you about another one in a few minutes. But, but get to know the people. Bring them into your life and enjoy their life and enjoy your lives together. Okay? So that's what you're going to do for friends. That's the answer to that question. All right? And that brings us to, and I hope that's a good answer for you, because I promise you, I promise you, you're going to find it a wonderful, wonderful experience to get to know these people. Simplistic lifestyle, uh, simplistic people who will enrich your life, okay? And, and you, because I know you more and more now, because I hear so much from you in the community. I know you, and you're going to enrich their life too. So it's the best of both worlds. So let's talk about now something which is not the best of both worlds and not the best of any worlds increasingly, and that is the Mad Max report. Now, those of you regular, regular viewers every Monday at Offshore.club, Coffee with Carol Carter, you know what the Offshore, what the um, Mad Max report is about? It, it's, you know, I just gave you the dream. Now I'm going to give you the dread. Why, you know, why you need to get out. And I say this sincerely. And, you know, I want to make a point here. I got I got one note from somebody the other day, and, and I know they were sincere, but they, they said, you must, you, you don't, I, sometimes it seems like you don't like America. I love America. Hey, I was in politics in Washington for over 40 years. That was my life. I gave my life to America. You don't make a lot of money, even as high as I got at the top of, at the Senate, top director of communications, working with the White House, on and on and on. Um, it's still not the kind of money you could have made in private industry because that wasn't my focus. My focus was, Frank, to put it very simply, God bless America. I told you, you know, that, 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 was, that was my mission in life, and I did it. So please don't ever think that I'm saying you should hate America. I love America till the day I die, but this right now, it's not America. And I'm pausing to let that sink in because you know it as well as I do. The freedom, the joy, the pleasure of America, the daring do of America is gone. And I'm telling you because I know politicians. I worked with those people. They're not letting it come back, okay? They have found a way to grab the freedom and squeeze it out. It's power to them, power and money to them, and that is what they crave. So if you ever think you're getting your freedom back, just remember what two of the governors said as they took all the freedom away. Governor Murphy in New Jersey, when they said, what about the Bill of Rights, the freedom of religion, freedom of assembly, the right to privacy, the whole... His response was, I didn't give the Bill of Rights a second thought, and they're never going to again. Another governor you have to listen to, listen to, Governor Newsom of California, who when they said, what, what about being able to go to the beach again? What about being able to go to our favorite restaurants? Everything that made our lives good, he said, they're closed. This is the new normal. Get used to it. They mean it. They mean it. They mean it. 
And so what, so in your Mad Max report, I, you know, I, this is where I tell you these, not because I don't love America, but because I love the American people more. Okay. I love you more. And I want you to have the good life at a great price that I know is not here anymore. It's big and the weight is all on you. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not what you bargained for. It's not what you paid all those massive taxes for that are going to be 75% by the time Joe Biden's done. It simply is. Okay. It's simply, they are. Okay. So I was listening the other day. I'm not going to drag this on much longer to, to Gary V Vaynerchuk. Those of you who are, are real big on, uh, on, um, Social media, you know, he is the greatest social media maven in America, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. And he was telling people, it's over. There's going to be a massive crash. There's going to be a massive crash. And he said, look, you can't have a world. And he said the same thing that I think I've been telling you. China, Russia, Iran, Turkey, these are serious countries now. He said they are over there building their economies, building their military, building their, their, their whole lifestyle, okay, building their countries. And we're here spending money that in massive deficit that can never be paid back now and increasing every day under this administration. And he said, and while we're doing that, our biggest concerns are, is my child going to get a participation award for, for playing on the soccer team? Or another one that I'm telling you, are you gonna make sure you let that six foot two boy compete on my my little daughter's basketball team? If yet that's your concern in life, America, you're gonna have a pretty tough time with countries like China and Russia and Turkey and Iran, whose concerns in life are serious. Okay, growing their countries, growing their economies, growing their military. And frankly, frankly, a little bit of expansionism, okay? You don't, you've done your part. You've done your part. You did everything you could. I often think, and I'm going to stop with this, but I often think what Ronald Reagan said when somebody said he betrayed the Democratic Party when he became a Republican. And Reagan, who was always, I worked with him, he was always delightful. He said, no, no, no. Mm -mm. Well, I, I didn't leave the Democrat Party. Uh, the Democrat Party left me. Well, <laughs> the America, the politicians of fashion are day left you. So it's altogether fitting and fair that you accept that and you leave as well. Okay, I'm just telling you, right? So that's the Mad Max report. That's a Mad Max report. Enough of that. But in fairness to you, I want to share it with you because it's important. Just like I want to share the great Friends, I know you're going to make when you when you do resettle, when you do make that move. Don't worry about the friendship; they're there, they're waiting on you. You're going to you're going to find them, open hands and open hearts. Okay, open and waiting for you, and very receptive. Okay, and there's every reason it's there's every reason to leave what's already left you. All right, that's just leave it at that. Let's leave it at that, and let's get back then. If I may, every week we do a friends and family interview. And the interview for today is, is one that I did with Mike Cobb, okay? Now, some of you know Mike Cobb. Some of you are saying, I know that name. I know that name. Of course you do, because Mike Cobb does open mic every Friday at the Offshore.club, your Offshore.club. And Mike and I talked and said, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, every day, including with this, it's lifestyle. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday, Coffee with Carib Carter, Tuesday, The Expat Mom with Elisa. I hope you're watching all these. These are great video podcasts. They are great. They're all about the lifestyle you're going to get to lead, including the cheap prices, the enjoyment you're going to have there, the great things to do. Wednesday, Roving with Rachel. Thursday, The Family Man, The Community Man with Pat Hebert. Somebody's videos, excuse me, are, are fantastic. Um, and then on Friday's open mic, Mike and I talked and said, you know, all four days are lifestyle. Let's make the fifth day something unique about investment. Okay. 
because there are a lot of you. I know this because I get your, your emails. A lot of you have a little bit of money and you come to me and say, should I invest it here offshore? Where offshore should I invest it, right? Um, and and I give you some good leads. I've got some nice notes back saying, hey, I, I, I bought what you recommended. And again, I do not get a commission on these, okay? That's not my po- purpose and not my point. Um, and so I said, Mike, Mike Cobb is the offshore entrepreneur, not an offshore entrepreneur, the T-H-E. So I talked to him and said, let's turn Friday's open mic into a, let me interview you every Friday about investments offshore, okay? Property investments offshore. And that brings us all around to the story I opened with about the struggling minister. The struggling minister who was offered the opportunity to invest in 100 acres of beachfront Solomon's Island property for just $1,000 in the late fall of 1955. $10 an acre, but he didn't have the money. He didn't have the money because he, he was feeding his family, okay? He was feeding his family, so he couldn't take for, he couldn't spend that $1,000 to take advantage of that Solomon's Island opportunity. And as I showed you, that property today is worth $31 million, okay? Now, the rest of that story, as I told you, is that that was my dad, so I know all about it. Am I upset? No, I'm not upset. You know, I'm not upset for myself, even though it would have been great if he had left a little bit at 31 million behind. I'm not upset for him because, as I said in the letter I sent you all, right now he has that mansion over the hilltop in a pearly gated community where the streets are paved with gold. Okay, so he finished out way ahead. But the fact of the matter still remains that here on Earth, on this terrain, he missed out on the Solomon's Island opportunity, and I don't want you to, because right now, what let's call the Solomon's Island opportunity is in Central America. There's beachfront property there. I just saw, matter of fact, I just saw a thousand acres on Vivion for uh, $800,000, and that's a lot more than I usually tell you about. But, you know, if you got a couple friends together and they have financing available, a thousand acres of beachfront, beachfront in Nicaragua for 800000 Imagine what that's going to be worth. Talk about a Solomon's Island opportunity. Imagine what that's going to be worth in 10 years, okay? Because the, the growth of the spurt is already there. People, a lot of people are already listening to the Mad Max report and making their move offshore. Every one of those that moves is going to be looking for a property to buy. Let them buy it from you, okay? Let them buy it from you. All right, especially if you buy the whole eight friends together at 100,000. Okay, 16 friends together at 50,000. I'm in. All right, so so that's great. I saw another one. Uh, great investment opportunity. Here we go. Um, this one again in Nicaragua, Yalaguina, Nicaragua. This We do this every, every week. We do our $1,000 realtor, a Caribbean. Look at this one. Can you see this? See this one here? Okay, I'll leave it there for a second. Folks, that is 33 acres, 33 acres. Gorgeous, gorgeous property. Um, Hour north, uh, 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 two hours north of Managua. Great location. Um, Quality built, 33 acres, actually two houses with a pond. Um, Four, three kitchen, three kitchens. Five bedrooms, four bathrooms, solar panel and batteries. Total, total $79,900 negotiable. How do you beat that? How do you beat that? If you didn't do anything with it in way to five years, I would wager you would double, triple, maybe more your money, okay? You took a corner for yourself and sold, you know, just hold on to it. Just sit on it. You know, that's what my wife and I are doing with our property in Honduras. I told you in the past, we got it for $30,000, three bedroom home, gated, nice little community. If we never spend, we will spend time in it, but even if we didn't, in years to come, values are just going to go up and up as more and more Americans make that move north. So, what I did, and that's why I asked Mike Cobb, who bought, he's, I think, two and a half miles of beachfront property in Nicaragua 20 years ago 
for um, $2 million. Uh, he had sold a computer firm, I think, and and built Grand Pacific on it. Now it's worth, I can't even begin to imagine. I, I can tell you 10, 20 times that much. Um, and and so he knows. He took the beachfront property he got for next to nothing in Belize, did the same thing, okay? He's buying some in Honduras now, okay? Because this man is a savvy. He is the smartest offshore investor that I've ever met. I think that you will probably ever meet. And remember, you know him now because he's on the board of the Offshore Dot Club. All right, he's of your club, Offshore Club. He's on the board, so you you know you have direct contact. And you have direct contact now with someone who can guide you. And that's what he did when I interviewed him for Open Mic. And what I've decided to do, the open mic was on Friday, but I have a feeling a lot of you might not have seen it. Some of you focus on Coffee with Carib Carter. Maybe you just didn't, you know, didn't get the message in time. So what I've done for today is I've asked our super producer, Brian, to run that for you. Okay, we always like to interview somebody. There's nobody, nobody, trust me, that it is more profitable. We're talking investment here, okay? For you to hear from than the offshore entrepreneur okay the guy who when he tells you if he told me carter invest in porcupine quills in madagascar i'd buy him by the trailer truckload full okay that's how good he is and you're getting his advice totally free so without further ado let me ask our super producer brian roll that video folks and you are going to love this and i'll be right back Rockefeller. I'm talking to Mike Cobb, okay? He wasn't born <laughs> with, with massive wealth and a silver spoon. You started out, right, in a middle-class family, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, both my parents. My dad was a college professor. My mom was a elementary school teacher. I grew up in Northwest Pennsylvania. And, and uh, yeah, I, you know, for me, it, th th there's always been this sort of sense of adventure that I've, I've enjoyed, you know, even as a child, uh, you know, doing, doing a lot of, you know, traveling with my parents. We were very fortunate. My dad would, would teach in Europe a few summers. And so I got to spend some time you know, overseas growing up. And I think that probably really opened my eyes to opportunities outside the United States. And when I graduated from college in 1986, I moved to the Washington, D.C. area, Northern Virginia, and I got into the computer business. But, but you know, I mean, I, there's some interesting parallels, Carter, to, to what happened because I got in in 1986 on the PC side of the business. And as you guys, if you're old enough to remember, you know, back in the 80s, mainframes were the computers there, you know, like in, you know, you had these giant computers in the basement of buildings and you had these really smart, you know, computer science guys and programmers who were, you know, down there working on it. And maybe you had a dumb terminal at your desk somewhere. But, you know, by the mid 80s, these these things called PCs, personal computers were just coming out XTs and 286s and 386s. And, you know, the people on the PC side of things, uh, you know, we're like, this is revolutionary and this is where it's going. And the people in the mainframes were like, you got to be kidding me. These little things on top of people's desks, nobody's going to use those enough things. I mean, you know, we got all the computing power in the basement, right? Well, obviously, yeah, here we are, whatever, 40 years later. And and wow, I mean, mainframes are pretty much gone. Uh, there's still a few out there. Um, PCs have have taken over. And, and so if you were fortunate enough and I use the word fortunate because you know, I graduated as a political science major in college. I didn't know what I was doing. I fell into sales and I got lucky and got in on the PC side of the business. So, you know, I was fortunate to be on the side of the business that was in, in, in ascendance, revolutionary time, you know, real paradigm shift in the computer business um, and, uh, uh, and was fortunate to be in that for about 13 years. Uh, started doing some business south of the border, and we can talk about that a little bit. But but just to wrap up the concept, you know what we've seen in the last 25 years, which is how long I've been in the development business in Latin America. We started our company ECI Development 25 years ago. There aren't many development companies who can say we're in our 25th year of business. Yeah, um, it, it, most most development companies that were around 25 years ago are simply out of business at this point. Um, but but what started to happen maybe 20 years ago, we could see we could see it on the horizon 25, 28 years ago. But about 20 years ago, 
this powerful revolutionary shift occurred in the development business with more and more people understanding the quality of life and the affordability overseas in retirement, especially the baby boomers leading that. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of nice to to take this this concept of revolution in the PC business and 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 take this big paradigm shift that was happening in the development industry overseas and and take that and leverage it forward. So, the big picture concept, you know, that that's really you know how I've I think you know been able to spot the trends and be able to stay in front of this path of progress. Mm-hmm. That has been occurring throughout you know Latin America you know for for a long long time. That's perfect, and I'm glad you said the trends because folks, that's what's important for you as potential investors. And again, this show is is an investment show. I'm really excited about it because I love the lifestyle shows. I absolutely you know if you watch Carib Carter, a coffee with Carib Carter, and please tell me you do, <laughs> please. The every Monday at 10 o'clock, then, you know, I, I love the lifestyle. Like I own a, a home in Honduras and my wife is from Honduras. So but but this is a show where you not only do you get the, some of the lifestyle, but you also get investment advice in the places where I think. And, and Mike, you're the expert. Guys, this is the expert here. This is not just somebody saying like, uh, well, I think that this he's done it. He's been there. He's done that. He is your millionaire next door. So so what you have, I want you to think about something. Mike, I think you're going to find this interesting. When I was a kid, and that was a very long time ago, my dad was a minister in Hollywood, Maryland, right? Now we're talking 60 years ago, okay? And there was a place called Solomon's Island. And I remember somebody saying to dad, you know, Reverend, you could get, an, you can buy an acre of land for $10 there. You ought to buy a couple of acres. My father said, where am I going to get $10, right? And today, that acre of land is $315,000. That's the median. Okay, folks, what we're telling you right now is it's your acre of land. We're focusing on Nicaragua today. Your acre of land is there. Mike, am I right or wrong? You're absolutely right. And, you know, there's there's a great chart, which I call the popularity chart, uh, and 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 it's in. We have several resources. We have a consumer resource guide, which I hope people will request. If you if you're thinking about anything overseas, owning a vacation property, owning a retirement property, making an investment overseas, uh, if you're thinking about anything transactional outside the United States or Canada, please, please, please request the consumer resource guide. It is a document that we've put together over the last 25 years chock full of questions that we should be asking, uh, ways of thinking, mini country handbooks. Uh, it's not a sales document. I mean, it is a, do- well, and then, and then there's this one, the, the Nicaragua handbook specifically. We're talking about Nicaragua today. Incredible. But, is, but, the, but the thing to, to, to kind of remember is this idea of a time machine, right? And, and so you've got different countries in the region that are more and less popular. Let me just pick three real fast. In Central America, to make it real simple, a country like Costa Rica is probably the most popular country in Central America. And a country like Nicaragua is probably the least popular country. And a country like Belize or Panama is somewhere in the middle, right? They're, they're, they're more popular than Nicaragua, but not quite as popular as Costa Rica. And, and so we have this chart that I've developed and, and a whole article that's in the Consumer Resource Guide that goes around this. But the idea is, is that so, for example, Cardi said Hollywood, Maryland. Um, if if a, if a young couple gets married in Hollywood, Maryland, and want to go on their honeymoon, they're probably if they're thinking about Central America, they're probably going to Costa Rica, right? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe Belize, but not many of them going to Nicaragua. Okay, but they should. But they should. <laughs> yeah, they should. You know, and by the way, you know, not only have I invested in the region and worked in the region, I actually I personally lived in Nicaragua for fourteen years. Uh, I took my wife and two-year-old daughter. We moved down there for what we thought would be just a few years to get our project started, our Grand Pacifica community there. Uh, and we ended up staying 14 years because my wife loved it. And and so uh, n- not only have I invested in the region, I've lived as an expat uh, and, and, and raised a family overseas. So, th- so the quality of life and the affordability is something very personal to me as well as professional, right? I mean, there's certainly a professional side of it, but it's very personal too. 
But but the thing to remember about a country like Nicaragua, it's not very popular. So therefore, the price of property is very, very low, kind of like Solomon's Island, you know, 60 years ago. Right. And so if you're looking for price appreciation as a country becomes more and more popular, you want to locate in a country like Nicaragua because the property prices are very, very low. And as Nicaragua grows in popularity, which it has been, you know, for 20 years and it continues to grow, um, you know, the price of properties will continue to appreciate. So at a big picture level, appreciation, you're going to find in less popular countries. On the other hand, if you said, you know what, I want predictable, strong cash flow. Well, then you probably want to own a property in Costa Rica. Because guess what? Lots of honeymooners going to Costa Rica. Lots of people going on vacation to Costa Rica. So you get more predictability. You get more cash flow. You'll pay more for your properties, right? So your yield might not be tremendous, you know, but um, but you're going to get predictability and cash flow. So depending on the type of investor you are, you know, you want to put yourself into this range of, of properties. If you're, again, looking for appreciation, you know, less popular, looking for cash flow, more popular. And then, you know, I know we're talking about Nicaragua today, but, you know, a country like Belize or even a country like Panama, they're kind of in the middle. You know, they're 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 halfway up the curve, say, um, which makes them kind of in the sweet spot because you've still got room for appreciation, but they're popular enough to cash flow. So so again, depending on what you're looking for as an investor, different countries, uh, different types of investment are going to make more or less sense for you. I love that. And, and I think I, I'm, I, I think. I should have set the table properly here. We're, today we're we're focusing on Nicaragua yeah, because yeah. of just what you just said. Because I think it is a great investment. It and, is, and I know Mike does too. And, and to me, Mike, it's kind of like in 1980 when you talked about whether you want to invest in Costa Rica or Nicaragua. Kind of like in 1980, if somebody said to you, uh, "You want to buy some stock in Apple or IBM?" Well, <laughs> you know what? IBM was pretty damn safe in 1980. Yes. And your return on investment was not too good. If you had invested the same thousand dollars in Apple, you'd be a millionaire now. Nicaragua's Apple. Yep. Nicaragua's Apple. I, Mike, I'm going to say something. You may say, Carter, I don't, I don't buy that. Here's, you know, how I feel about Costa Rica. You've noticed anybody who watches Car uh, Coffee with Carib Carter notice I've never tried to tell you, hey, here's a good deal in Costa Rica. To me, Costa Rica is second world living at first world prices. I'm sorry. That's just how I feel. Well, that's how I feel. Well, hey, look, you know, I mean, that, that that's a, that's an honest opinion you're giving. Yeah. I, I probably wouldn't frame it quite like that, but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, um, you know, but, but yes, it's expensive by Central American standards. Yes. Costa Rica is expensive and, and, yeah. and, it, and it, it is not measurably nicer than any other country in the region. Um, in fact, you know, I, again, I lived in Nicaragua for 14 years. My preference is, is Nicaragua, hands down. I love live. I loved when I lived in Nicaragua. I don't live there anymore, but um, I loved it. It was the quality of life was tremendous. Um, yeah, cost of living, insanely cheap. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Yeah. And so, so let's. So what we're going to do is, I want everybody here after this show. Don't even do it right now. After this show, I want you to go to ecidevelopment.com. And if you leaf about two thirds way down the homepage, you'll see the, the handbooks. They're right across the right across there, yep. and click on the Nicaragua, okay? Yes. Because yes. That, that's that's this one right here. And I'm telling you, it's a it is a fantastic handbook because it tells you everything you need to know, and why. And as you read it, you're going to realize why we're talking about it as an investment. Table of contents, weather and climate, society, culture, places to visit, cuisine medical and healthcare outside the city. So, and, 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 and Mike knows this, Mike, Mike owns Grand Pacific in Nicaragua yep. in Belize. It's uh, Grand Bayman. Is that right? That's right. Yep. And uh, then Costa Rica is a uh, Grand Caribbean, Grand Caribbean, right? And Panama is uh, Gran Islotes. And then our newest community there is the Freedom Village up in the highlands, up in the mountains. Uh -huh. Yeah, and some of, and we have talked about that. It, 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 it's a, it, up in Boquete area, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Which, which, which actually for me is is where I'd want to go because I don't. I'm not a beach person. You might say yeah. so. Yeah, Carter, you're not you're not a beach person yet. You went and bought a home in Honduras that's a beach, one giant damn beach. Well, 
that, believe it or not, but the other day I tried to persuade my wife, let's make another investment in La Ceiba. And she said, I don't like beaches. And I thought, well, this is just, you were, you were raised on the beach. Well, maybe that's why. She, but at any rate, so if you get this handbook, look at the table of contents and you're going to see why we're saying to you, it's a good time to buy. Now, let me put it in context again. 10,000 people a month are moving out of California. Yeah. 10, yeah. Pe- and that's going to accelerate. Tony Robbins, we all know Tony Robbins, who, who I like a lot. Tony Robbins said on one of his shows that when he left California, he saved $13 million a year in taxes. Yep. Why would anyone? So, but, so, but these are, but people are looking, they're going to be looking for places that have that kind of weather, that have that kind of beachfronts. Yeah. And, well, and that's a good, that's a great point, by the way. Southern California, the, along the coast, you know, say from, you know, maybe Malibu down, uh, really has a very similar climate to uh, and geography to the coastline of Nicaragua. Uh, that was the thing that, that when, when we first went there in 1999, 2000, started looking for property. I mean, it just it just screamed to me California 75 years ago. Right. That I just was. I mean, Carter, I mean, it, I mean, right. It just, I mean, it's just incredible. We purchased, I I tell people, it's common knowledge. I mean, we purchased three and a half miles of beachfront property. The property's a mile deep. It's 2,500 acres. Imagine a rectangle, a mile deep and three and a half miles of beachfront property. And we purchased that property for two and a half million dollars. I mean, like in California, you'd be in the hundreds of millions of dollars if you could even find a piece of property that big on the coast. Um, you know, and and so I mean that that's that ten dollar Solomon Island acre of property, right? And and now we're here, you know, twenty years later, twenty one, twenty two years later, you know, you, you're not going to find that same opportunity again. But you know, an oceanfront condo, Carter, for one hundred and thirty nine thousand uh, dollars, you know, at at Grand Pacifica, uh, you know, home sites on the water, beautiful Pacific Ocean views from you know from two to. $300,000, right? I mean, this is an acre on the ocean for, I don't know, just right, right around 300, just under 300. You know, homes with an ocean, direct ocean view, again, in that, you know, two, $300,000 range. So the affordability is one-tenth or less what you would pay in California without all the tax hassles and regulatory nonsense. And, you know, I mean, it, it's... Uh, yeah, it, 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 and the other thing that's that's really cool about uh, one tenth. I'm going to reemphasize it. One, t- folks, he's talking to you about investment advice here. One tenth of the cost. Yeah, and 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 one and one quarter of the price of Costa Rica. I mean, yeah. so you're talking. I mean, compared to Costa Rica, it's a quarter of the price. Compared to Panama, it's maybe half the price, right? So you know, again, even in the region, it's a bargain. Um, you know, the thing that I've, I've, I've always said about Nicaragua and, and I love about the country is this incredible freedom uh, that, that they really let happen. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of people remember, you know, the Sandinistas in the Civil War from the 70s. I mean, that, that, that's, you know, I mean, that, it ended in, in uh, 1989, call it 1990. What's that, you know, 30 years ago? I mean, so, so I mean, it, it's just not even a factor anymore, right? It's what we kind of remember because that was the news cycle for 10 years. But yeah. that's over, gone, done. I mean, 30 years, that's, that's a generation and a half, right? So it's just not even relevant anymore. Um, but the level of freedom that that country has has really given, um, you know, uh, is incredible. And, and, and that's what resonated with me and has resonated with a lot of the folks who are deciding to own properties in Nicaragua um, is just this real hands-off, laissez-faire uh, type of attitude towards foreign investment and property ownership, which is quite honestly refreshing, uh, ex- exceptionally refreshing. And, you're, and I'm going to just say it point blank, blunt out, you are not going to find that in America ever again. It's not going to happen. I have a I have a fire pit in my backyard. It's the worst investment I ever made, Mike, because the damn city of York won't let you put a fire in your fire pit without throwing a hissy fit. Wow. Now, fortunately, okay. I have a home in West Virginia in the country and a fire pit there. I can burn whatever the hell I want. But that, that's it, folks. It's going to keep on. Keep on. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't. 
Right. How about going somewhere where it's free and the investment's good? And you brought up, you know, Ortega is the president there. And, and yeah. this is, well, I had to laugh when you said it because Mike knows this, but a lot of folks don't. I spent four, almost 50 years in politics in Washington. And in the 19, early 1980s, <laughs> a big part of my job as the director of communications for the U.S. Senate and a, a and working with Ronald Reagan was to stop Daniel Ortega. Yeah. Yeah. If I met him today, the first thing I'd do would be apologize. <laughs> it's like, to me, he's the best. He's the best leader in Central America, and and people are going to wonder. I'm, I know everybody's wondering, so I'm going to ask you point blank: How safe is your investment in Nicaragua? Yeah. Well, let, let me let me uh, cover safety a couple of different ways. One, okay. safety of investment, but also personal safety, because a lot of times people ask about personal safety. Um, you know, they, they, they're similar. Uh, but, you know, let, let me start with the with the the one that I get asked a lot more than the investment, which is personal safety. All I right. took to my my wife is a blonde. I had two toe headed daughters. We did not look Nicaraguan at all. And we <laughs> <laughs> not a bit. And we lived in Nicaragua for 14 years. My wife would drive uh, our, our daughters around. I mean, I traveled a lot. I was on the road two to three weeks a month. My wife lived in Nicaragua for 14 years with our two daughters, okay? They would drive anywhere and everywhere, up into the mountains, down, you know, these ancient dirt-rutted roads to find a butterfly farm in the middle of nowhere, uh, beaches that were inaccessible. You know, generally they would, you know, they'd go and they'd get stuck in the mud and they'd find a farmer to, you know, get the oxen. I think on two separate occasions, they literally got stuck in horrible, rutted, muddy roads and had to go find a farmer to pull them out, right? And and it's, you know, my wife and a couple little little toe-headed kids, right? And so, um, you know, but but again, no fear. Uh, and, 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 and in 14 years, the only act of crime that ever happened to us was that our our, our uh, we call him a caretaker, but I mean, he mowed the yard and he took care of the car, washed the car, went on errands, did that kind of stuff for us. Uh, one of our caretakers, uh, Cuyadores, uh, stole a couple pairs of my pants that were drying in the backyard on the laundry line. Like in, in 14 years, that was the crime we experienced. Now, truth be told, you know, we were home in bed 10, 10 o'clock at night. Like, you know, I mean, and, and if you want to, if you're, you know, crime is local. Like crime is local. There are great parts of Chicago. I'm in Chicago right now. That's my hotel room. So uh, I'm up here meeting with a bunch of realtors and uh, realtor associations uh, for, 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 you know, we have a lot of realtors that refer business to us. Anyway, so I'm up in Chicago. You know what? There are parts of Chicago that I think are probably pretty dangerous. You like know? the whole damn city. They kill 12, 15 people a weekend there. You know what? I'm in Chicago and nobody's killing anybody where I am. Okay. okay. So, you know, <laughs> so the point is crime is local. Same thing in Nicaragua, Belize, Panama, wherever, Mexico, right? I mean, there are places that you don't want to go because that's where the crime happens. But, but the vast majority of all these countries is very safe because, you know, crime is very local, right? But let's go back to the investment question because this is what you ask about specifically. Um, you know, here's the thing. There's, there are no guarantees. I mean, you know, eminent domain, uh, United States, I mean, they, they, they took a whole bunch of people's houses in, I think it was Connecticut or something and, you know, whatever, to put in Walmarts, right? They took people's homes to put in Walmarts because the Walmarts would generate more tax for that local community in Connecticut, okay? So, I mean, think about that. The government took your home to build a Walmart, okay? So it's like this decision, Mike, and they can do it at any time. All they have to say is we get more tax money from giving your house to that guy and your house is gone in America. Your house is gone. This is the United States government taking your home, okay? Yeah. So so let's be clear that you know that, that 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 you know governments can take property, US government included, right? The Nicaraguan government can take property. But unlike the US government where I don't think foreign investment into the United States dropped one iota, one iota when that happened, okay? The no, moment no. that a country like Nicaragua, not just Nicaragua, but a country like Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama, Belize, pick a country, right, developing country. The moment they take a foreigner's property, foreign investment is gonna go to zero or close zero. to it. Zero. So, you know what? There is this strong economic imperative not only to protect foreign investors, which they do, right? Because it's very self-serving to protect foreign investors, taxes, jobs, right? 
but to actually create policies and programs that encourage foreign investment. Please come to our country. Please create jobs. Please pay taxes, right? And so it's it's the exact opposite of so much of, of what we find in the U.S. and Canada, where it's, you know, I mean, this is the time, you know, how many, you know, I forget the number, you said 10,000 people a day or whatever is leaving California, right? And, and they're finding more favorable places in the U.S. to go, right? There are states in the United States that generally want business and have programs and, and incentives to do that. But when you go outside the United States to a country like Nicaragua, Whatever they're offering in the U.S. pales in comparison to what these countries offer because they really, really, really want foreign investment. And then once it's there, they really, really, really protect foreign investors. So of, of all the countries in the region, Carter, of all the countries in the region, I personally, the Cobb family, it's actually my wife. <laughs> of course it is, right? <laughs> what's mine is hers. Yeah, what's hers is hers. But anyway, um, our family, we... Nicaragua is where we have the most property that's personally owned. You know, as a company, we own, you know, property all over the region. But as a family, Nicaragua is where we've chosen to own the most property personally because I'd rather buy $10 acres in Solomon Island and let my children 60 years from now, right, get $300,000 an acre. I don't need the money. Right. So like I'm going to I'm going to buy very inexpensive property and and my kids and my grandkids, you know, when when you know, if and when they need money, they can sell it for many, 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 many multiples of what, you know, I was able to own property for. So, uh, again, that that that's us personally. But but I think for many investors, uh, you know, wanting to get the appreciation of asset over time, a country like Nicaragua is a bullseye. It's bullseye. A bullseye. A bullseye for what 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 in in the investment world we call accumulated equity. Incredible. Yes. Yes. Incredible. Okay, we only have like three or four minutes. So I'm gonna ask you not to put you on the spot, but if you could say to the people right now who are listening to you and thinking, you know what, that does sound like a good investment, give us three places in Nicaragua that you would say, Hey folks, look at these places to invest in. And let me say four, because one of them, honest to God, would be Grand Pacifica. If you can get a beachfront home for $129,000, a gorgeous beachfront home in Grand Pacifica that would cost you probably $500,000 here or more, that's a great investment. Yeah. Or more. I, in, in some places, <clears throat> as much. Where yeah. else? I, like, I like Gino Tega. I'm sure I'm pronouncing Gino, it wrong. Tega. Yeah, Gino Tega. Uh, and Matagalpa. Great prices. Yes, right? absolutely. Uh, so you've got, and these are big coffee growers. Hinotega is actually uh, cigars and coffee. So if you like smoking fine cigars and you, you like drinking fine coffee, Hinotega, Matagalpa, beautiful homes, very, very affordable homes, farms, if you want to own a farm, uh, or, or if you really want to own like a coffee plantation, there people sell their coffee plantations. So yeah. you could look at that. Another place that I would look at would be Granada, Nicaragua. It's a 500-year-old colonial city. You can buy an old colonial home. They actually have a lot of historical restoration restrictions. A lot of people don't like the restrictions, but, but you know, I mean, they're, they're trying to preserve this 500-year-old architectural heritage. So if you buy one of the homes there, you have to follow the rules and the guidelines when you fix it back up. But but it's so inexpensive and it's just so beautiful. I mean, just spectacular. So, you know, Matagalpa, Hinotega up in the mountains, and then um, uh, uh, the, uh, 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 the colonial homes in Granada. Uh, and then if you're looking for just a piece of, of beachfront property kind of way out in the middle of nowhere, up near Consaguina, um, there are some beautiful beach properties in the northern part of the country that are, are extremely affordable. Uh, that that would be you know a, a good investment for the long term. It, it'll be a long time before there's any real services or tourism there. But if you said, look, my time frame's 20 years, I just want to buy and hold something in the you know Consaguina area would be a really good uh, opportunity. And 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 thank you, Carter. Yeah, Grand Pacifica. You know, 
again, location, location, location. You're buying into a you know a residential community with a golf course, homes, condos, restaurants, tennis courts. You know, I mean, all the stuff that 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 people look for. And so, if you own an oceanfront condo for uh, you know one hundred thirty nine thousand um, dollars, you know, it, it'll rent. I mean, so you, so not only will you see great appreciation over you know the next 10, 15 years, uh, you'll actually actually see you know very nice cash flow as well. So, again. Depending on your investment ideas and, and what you're looking for, uh, there are some great opportunities in Nicaragua. And by the way, that Nicaragua handbook, again, not a sales document. Um, it, it talks about the it's country. It's free. Yeah, it, it's free. It's free. That's right. And it yeah. talks about the different regions of the country that we just talked about. So if you want to learn a little bit more about Granada as a starting point, get the Nicaragua handbook. You know, look at the section on Granada and, and uh, yeah, check it out. Or the mountains, whatever. All right, folks. Wow, I told you were gonna like it. I told you you were going to like that. And I know you did because that's just, folks, let me tell you something. I, I do a lot of work with one, with one of the major investment uh, houses in America and uh, people pay a lot of money for that kind of advice, all right? You're get, you got a free and you're gonna keep getting a free. Remember every Friday now, open mic, get all, you know, the other four programs for all week long, Center on Lifestyle, but that fifth one, every Friday, open mic, where I'm going to interview Mike, is centers on offshore investments. So, and, and I'm telling you, uh, what you know, my super producer and I were talking before the, the show went on, he and I are going to make some investments down there. You, you know, just sit on the property because it's, it's your Solomon's Island opportunity, okay? It really is. I want you to take advantage of it. I want you to take advantage of them. We always close with what I like to feel as a word of encouragement because we all need encouragement, okay? You know, I've lived long enough in life to know that we all need a word of encouragement occasionally. You know, as I said earlier, my father was a minister and he was always encouraging his people, you know, um, as to what, what God could do in their lives and what they could do in their lives and what they needed to do in their lives to make their lives better and those around them. And one of the people who I follow, who I follow pretty diligently and really had an impact on my life. And, and now in this section, this uh, let's do this thing section, our closing section of Coffee with Carol Carter. I want to sh recommend to you that you join me in following a guy named Tim Grover. OK, Tim, some of you are saying, come on, Carter, I already know who he is. I already follow him. He's fantastic. Those and so you know who I'm talking about, and you know he's going to change some people's lives. And many of you probably changed yours like he did mine. Uh, when I read his book Relentless, Tim was the trainer for Michael Jordan and for Kobe Bryant. Okay, he trained them, and and not to be vulgar, but when he trained Michael first, and when Michael retired, and Kobe said to him. The, what what do you think? Should I hire Tim? And he said, I think you should. If you you know you wanted to be as great as I am, you want you want to be that you, you want you said you want to be great. If you want to even have a shot at it, yeah, I think you should. He said, but I need to give you a word of warning. Tim isn't isn't an asshole. He is the asshole. <laughs> okay. Well, and Tim got a kick out of that, and he said I consider it a compliment. What what Michael meant was because he pushes people. Tim Grover talks about three kinds of people. And I'm going to close with this, but I, I think I know what a lot of you are already in his, in his uh, Troika. And I think I know what a few of you are and where we all need to be. Okay. He talks about, and he does push people, make no mistake about it. You want to be great. He pushes you. He talks about three kinds of people in life. There are what he calls uh, coolers. Coolers of those people are nine to fivers. They show up. They never do anything out of the ordinary. They never, they would never think of joining you and me offshore. Okay, just would not ever think of it. What are you? Are you crazy? Uh, uh, they're they're the coolers. They're they're not my kind of people, to be honest with you. I'm sorry. I just have never, I, I I've never cottoned to them as as uh, they say down south. Um, but the the they're not bad people. But they're just. Uh, they're nine to fivers, okay? They're what I call life's also lands, all right? 
And Grover, Tim says, you know, if that's what you want to be, that's what you want to be. But the next step up is to be a closer, okay? Closer is a term we all hear in sales a lot. They're the people who really get something done. They make something of themselves in life. And then I think like 90% of you all, 90% of you all are already closers. You may, you either are making something big yourself in life or you've made something bigger yourself in life, okay? Closers are great, all right? The closers are great. They they drive the bus, all right? Um, they make the all-star team. And I think almost all of you are. And all of, you know, and and it's a tremendous achievement. But there's another level. And a lot of closers, I think, are moving offshore now because they do want to achieve more. But then Tim says there's another level. This is all in this book, Relentless, in his videos. Just look it up, Tim Grover. Go to YouTube, type it in, because you're going to enjoy them. Um, I will, I, some of you who follow Carob Carter, uh, I, I, I do some of my videos from my basement when I'm weightlifting occasionally. And I, and I can tell you, I am, when I'm doing, before I do your videos, I'm listening to Tim's uh, YouTube uh, 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 um, audios, okay? The audios from his YouTubes because it just pushes you forward. His third category, coolers, closers, cleaners, Kobe, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, these people, Tom Bradley, they're cleaners, okay? They are what I think I would wager right now a good... 30%, maybe a little more of you already are. You're cleaners. You're cleaners. And you're the ones who are already saying, hey, I'm looking for my, my place offshore. I'm looking for my investment offshore. I'm looking to make the move because I want to I, I want to I want to reach for the stars, okay? Closers are great. Cleaners are icons, okay? Jordan, Kobe, icons. And that's what I believe you are. And that's why I encourage you to make these moves, to make the move offshore, fulfill everything. And one of the qualities, and I'll close with this, of a cleaner, of the iconic cleaners of you, of you, is that they elevate those around them. Okay? It's not enough for them to just elevate themselves, which they do way, way up here. They elevate those around them. And when you make your move offshore, you're going to be elevating everyone you take with you. All those family members, maybe for generations to come. Talk about legacy wealth. That's what you do as a cleaner. That's what you're going to be doing. That's iconic. So what do you say? Let's do this thing. Well, you know what? We In the book, Relentless, we talk about the don't think concept. Your skills are so finely uh, good at what you do, whether it's trading, making business decisions, playing basketball, that you know the if you do fail at something, it's just this little stumbling block. The next time you're going to succeed because you've done it over and over and over again, not only physically, but your mental preparation. The thing that makes individuals really, really special who are that great is they're always looking for that competitive edge. So it's interesting to see how a champion in sports, how it relates to a champion in business. It's the same mindset. It's about winning the battles, continuing to improve, learning new ways to stay ahead, uh, stay ahead of the game. Clarity is what gives you the idea of success, being able to close those deals. When you can see and you can think and you can react with a clear mind and you take your emotions out of it, you're in that zone. Getting the deal is just, a, is just a byproduct. And the minute you get the deal, you're already thinking about what's next. When you want to excel at something, what must you have? Did I just hear somebody say passion in the audience? You know what passion is? Passion is an emotion. It's an emotion without an action. Passion will get you nowhere. Inner drive will get you nowhere unless you act on it. You have to act on your passion. You have to act on your inner drive. Don't let those feelings stay inside of you. You gotta know what to do with them. You gotta know how to make them work in order to get what you want. Don't keep it inside. Knowing that you're the best at what you do and you've done all your homework to get to that point. Relentless is about 
trusting your instincts, but the only way you can trust your instincts is if you've done your homework and your skill is so finely tuned at whatever you do. You have people in sports, you have the role players and they're trying to step out and be superstars. And I just, I always tell them, I said, you gotta think about winning first. All right, if the team wins, you'll get paid. If the team doesn't win, you will not get paid. All right. The bottom line is the end result. Just like when you guys close a deal, not only do you win, everybody underneath you who helps you close the deal, the company, it all ties in together. Decide, commit, act, succeed, repeat. The one thing that all the greats have in common is they sweat the small stuff. They pay very, very close attention to every detail. Michael used to sweat the details so much in his basketball game that it carried on into his personal life. The suit had to match the car he was driving that particular day. But what those details allowed him to do was to put him in the zone to be the best basketball player on that given night. The dark side is something that's in everybody, but it's a situation that you have to control the dark side. If it controls you, that's when things start to go real, real bad. That's when you have a tendency to go to the to what I call the other side. But if you harness the fuel that's from that dark side, whether it's anger, whether it's fear, and turn that into positive fuel, it'll help you really succeed at whatever you're trying to do. A great leader knows how to push buttons, how to push the buttons of different people. I totally disagree with that philosophy 100%. All right, I don't want to have somebody to have that much control over me where they're pushing my buttons. As a great leader, okay, what I do with my clients is I pull their buttons. And then I teach them in certain situations to know when to push their own buttons. Well, you have to keep yourself focused on whatever your ultimate goal is. There's, stumble, there's stumbling blocks all the way. People get laid off, you have a bad game, you get traded from a team that you uh, don't want to be with. But if your goal and your focus remains the same that, hey, this is going to happen and I know I have the skills and I have the knowledge and I have the instincts to dig myself out of this hole, you will dig yourself out of the hole. You have to control the situation. Don't let the situation control you. We talk about coolers. We talk about closers and we talk about cleaners. Cleaners are going to get you that end result over and over again. They are so well prepared and their instincts are so sharp, they already know what to do. If there's a person that's producing exceptionally, there's a reason behind it. It's the process, the constant challenge to get there again and again and again is what drives these individuals. Everyone talks about, we want to be legendary. We want to be iconic. Don't settle for that. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us at the Offshore Club. For more information on the Offshore Club or to contact Carib Carter, visit www.offshore.club today. www.offshore.club. That's www.offshore.club. See you next time at the Offshore Club.